Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome uh, to the final day of the uh, International Marxist University. Uh, and this session, which is the session on Marxism and religion. Uh, my name is Joel. I'll be uh, chairing this session. Uh, before we get started, we have a couple of announcements. Uh, as you can tell, uh, there are pauses because we are translating all of the sessions uh, into, I believe, 12 different languages. Um, so, yeah, if you need a translation, uh, go to the main page uh, and you can select on the left uh, the translation uh, that you need. Uh, this will take you to a Discord channel uh, and you have to click on the right session. Uh, but you should be able to listen to the uh, translation that way. Uh, one final thing before we get started. Uh, just a reminder uh, about a, ca a campaign that we're running. A comrade, a comrade of ours, Amin, from Pakistan, has been abducted uh, by the Pakistani Rangers, uh, which is kind of a paramilitary group. Uh, and we are asking people to uh, organize demonstrations, uh, to call the Pakistani uh, embassies, uh, either in your personal capacity or in the name of an organization, uh, demanding uh, Amin's release. Uh, also, people can post pictures online. Uh, with the hashtags uh, release, I mean, and uh, IMU 2020. Um, yeah, so this session is the session on Marxism and religion, uh, which with, which is a very important topic for Marxists. Uh, and to present on this, we have uh, Alex Grant from the Canadian section of the IMT. So Alex will present for 90 minutes, which includes the translation. Uh, this will be followed by a short break, uh, and we'll have a handful of interventions from uh, IMT comrades from around the world. Um, yeah, so without further ado, I'll turn it over to Alex. Uh, you ready to go there, Alex? Yep, good to go. Okay, take it away. Is there a God? As a Marxist materialist, I would have to say no, because Marxism is a materialist philosophy. Materialism states that matter is primary. And thought does not occur without a brain. And you don't get a brain without a body. You don't get a body without food. And you don't get food without a material environment. Aristotle said that man first begins to philosophize when the necessities of life are provided. This is another way of saying before we can think, we must eat. Materialism states that uh, nothing is supernatural. Supernatural means beyond nature. And nothing is beyond nature. We have a monist view. Everything comes from nature and is potentially understandable by studying nature, by observing and analyzing nature. And ideas are merely the highest forms to arise out of nature. Uh, in contradistinction to Marxism, religious idealism is dualist. Ideas exist above and independent of nature. And the big biggest idea is God. Idealists accuse materialists of trying to explain everything. When in fact, the opposite is true. Uh, Socrates supposedly said, all that I know is that I know nothing. He, he meant that knowledge is infinite and what I know is finite. What I do not know overwhelms what I do know. But that does not mean that the unknown is unknowable. It is religions that try to explain everything. A materialist will say, I don't know. 
let's investigate. Religion says uh, God did it. No need to investigate because saying God did something is an explanation. Yeah, religion tends to give uh, answers to sort of so-called big questions in life. Why do I exist? Why does the world exist? Why do bad things happen? And what happens when you die? So let's have a go at answering these questions. So we'll start with why do I exist? Because God made man in his own image. Uh, the funny thing is, is that the various gods have tended to always look like their worshippers. Viking gods dressed like Vikings. Greek gods dressed like Greeks. And if birds had gods, they'd probably have wings. It's not God that creates man in his own image, but man that creates gods that look like them. A good quote here on that from Michael de Montaigne. Uh, man is quite stark mad. He cannot make a worm, and yet he makes gods by the dozen. Uh, materialism, has, materialism has no problem answering why we are here. Natural selection. Organic life emerges from inorganic, inorganic mon- molecules. Single cell life appears, multicellular, vertebrates, mammals, eventually primates. Through collective labor, a primate emerged that had the ability to think abstractly and plan. So, you know, I'll chase that gazelle around that tree. You hide behind it with a stick and hit it with it uh, when it comes around. Uh, that fairly simple statement I just made involves planning and understanding of cause and effect. Engels explained this uh, fantastically in his part played by labor in the transition from ape to man. Eventually, consciousness evolves and even religion. Uh, religion states that, or at least some religious people state, that a materialist explanation is boring and gray. I think people who say this have no sense of imagination about the beauty and the complexity of reality. It's, it's that curiosity that really drives science. Incidentally, the best argument for natural selection is not how perfect everything is. The best argument for natural selection is how imperfect. Why do you have an appendix? It is totally useless. Why would an intelligent designer give you an appendix? Does he want people to get appendicitis and die? Now, rabbits have huge appendices for digesting vegetation. And an appendix was useful for our common ancestor with rabbits. Our diet has changed, so we no longer need it. It's a vestigial structure that will likely disappear after thousands of years of evolution. Hello, I can't hear the translation. Hello, hello. <clears throat> is the translation working? The translation the translation is working. Okay. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Okay, my dis okay. Bear with us everyone for a minute. Technical difficulties. Okay. Yeah. Translate. No. Translate. Try now. Ah, classic. Give me a second. Alex, can you leave the leave the Discord channel and then or leave yeah, Discord yeah, altogether and reboot it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bear with us here for a minute. This is a massive technical undertaking, so <laughs> our hiccups along the way. Okay, almost there. Yeah, okay, try now. Yep, got it, got it. Okay, continue. Okay, where was uh, useless uh, appendixes. Yeah. So, so I, I find the the answer, God did it, don't ask questions, far more boring than investigating the real mysteries of nature. Okay, so that leads us to our second question. Uh, why does the world exist? And actually, Joel, could you give me a heads up every 15 minutes? So, yes. Um, 
So if in the Bible, it says in the beginning, there was the world. Uh, God separated the heavens from the earth. And as a good trade unionist, he rested on the Sabbath day. But in the beginning was not the word, but the deed. And nobody was around to have words for another four billion years or more. Uh, gases from a previously exploded star condensed to form the sun and the planets. Uh, Napoleon actually asked Laplace to, uh, what role did God play in his theory of the formation of the solar system? Laplace answered, I had no need for that hypothesis because God exists two steps away from established fact. Here is what is known. Here is what is unknown. Between these two lines is where religious and scientific debate happens. But the march of history shows science advancing and religion falling back. Uh, people used to think that the earth was flat, although I heard that some people still do. Uh, Galileo was persecuted by the Inquisition for saying that the earth goes around the sun. 15 minutes. And, and we don't currently fully understand the structure of the universe. Our religion says that God stands before the Big Bang, uh, lighting the match. It says that this is unknowable. Marxist materialists say nothing is unknowable. We just don't currently understand the structure and the evolution of the universe very well. But we are confident that in time we will, and there's no need for a God. Uh, the fact that uh, biology is better understood than com cosmology ha has led to the fact that there's actually a lot more uh, religion amongst physicists than, than there is biologists. So we have to ask ourselves, why do we even care about the question why the universe exists? Because it is a large, complicated phenomenon that affects our lives. Uh, the, the answer, God created the universe, isn't actually an answer. You've just replaced one large, complicated thing with another large, complicated thing. If explaining the origin of the universe is interesting, surely explaining the origin of the thing that created the universe is even more interesting. Religion just moves the question one step back and then says you're not allowed to ask questions about God. OK, why do bad things happen? Well, religion has two answers for this. Either because you angered the Lord. This is the Old Testament God that some people, some religious preachers said God created AIDS to punish homosexuals. Or you've got the, the New Testament God who uh, moves in mysterious ways. There is a divine plan and everything will turn out for the best eventually. What the divine plan is for COVID, God only knows. But materialism has two answers to why bad things happen as well. First answer, basic answer, is because we don't understand what's going on. That this is like the early days of the COVID outbreak. Nobody understood what was happening. But then there's a, a second explanation for bad things uh, because of class society. We understand perfectly what's going on, but the ruling class doesn't care. For example, now COVID-19 is way worse for, for poor and for black people. That is you know, an explicit expression of the class society because capitalism is horror without end. Wars, violence, racism, unemployment, sickness, environmental destruction. People want a, a, an answer to all this horror. Why does it exist? People want some form of control. Uh, if They think that if I pray hard enough, it'll all go away. And if I don't pray, worse things will happen. Fear and ignorance are very, very powerful motivators. Hey, Alex, sorry. 
Sorry, can you pause a little bit longer for the translation? Sure. Just ask Donald Trump. Uh, and, and that leads us to, you know, if I don't believe, I will go to hell, which leads us to our last question. What happens when you die? Nothing is more frightening than death. And it's comforting to know that you will meet your loved ones uh, when you die. Um, the fear of hell and the comfort of heaven help keep people in line. Uh, Napoleon actually made a good quote about this. Uh, in religion, I see the social order. Uh, the idea of heaven saves the rich from being massacred by the poor. If people didn't think there was something better uh, later, then many could not survive. People couldn't cope with, is this it? Well, we have to fight for a better world. Materialism says, from atoms I came and to atoms I shall return. Every blood cell in your body contains hemoglobin. At the center of that hemoglobin molecule is an iron atom. And that iron atom was created at the center of a dying star that went supernova. We are literally made of stardust. I was alive. I was matter organized in a certain way. Self-conscious matter, matter fighting against the laws of entropy. But eventually we all succumb to entropy. Our atoms return to the universe. I personally find that very comforting. Uh, the only immortality we can have is either via our children or by doing good things that are remembered. So that's why we fight for the working class. We fight for a better humanity, and this gives meaning to our lives. Now, I've been detailing a number of rational arguments uh, against uh, uh, religious philosophy. But uh, actually, if you look at history, you'll see that rational arguments don't work against religion. They don't work uh, with somebody who genuinely believes. And, and Marx and Lenin explain this many times. Uh, religion has a real materialist base and it will not disappear while that material base continues to exist. Everybody knows the quote, uh, religion is the opium of the masses. Although taken like that, it actually can sound a little insulting to those who believe. But most people don't know the full quote. Religious suffering is at one and the same time the expression of real suffering and a protest against real suffering the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. Religion will not disappear while suffering, oppression, and poverty exist. See, see the key question here is not whether there is life after death. Uh, the key question is whether there is any life before death. When, when people have terrible, terrible conditions, then uh, they need to believe to give them an outlet. We must have a materialist, historical understanding of religion. At one point, uh, religion actually represented a revolution in human consciousness. Humans started asking why. Animals don't ask why. Asking why is a necessar necessary stage in consciousness. Why does the sun come up? Why does the river flow? Why does the tree grow? Because of the sun god, because of the tree spirit, because of the river sprite. 30 minutes. The answers are wrong, but the question itself is revolutionary. This spirituality it goes by the name of animism, giving spirits to uh, inanimate objects. And it corresponds to a primitive classless society. 
But the birth of class society corresponds with the real transition from spirituality to religion. Um, Class society, a surplus, allowed the formation of a priest caste. Uh, These thinkers, living off the labour of others, were were able to track the stars. Egyptian priests predicted the flooding of the Nile, very important for agriculture. Stonehenge was used to predict uh, midsummer and midwinter. And here you see science is combined with magic and ritual. If you've ever been to Stonehenge, uh, you'll see there's embankments around the edge of it. And, and it's believed that these embankments are there were actually to keep the masses out. The priests and other sectors of the ruling class would go inside and they'd study the stones. And, and then they'd come out and tell the people it was a fertile time. And then they'd all have a big party. But we, we don't just see standing stones in the old world. There's also standing stones in the Americas. Uh, a few years ago, I was lucky enough to go to Colombia. And, and I, I, vili- I visited a village uh, called uh, Villa de Leva. My Spanish is terrible, sorry. And, uh, and just outside this village, a whole series of standing stones that they're all in lines to uh, pr- predict the seasons. Uh, but next to the, the stone calendar were other stones. And these were uh, labelled El Infianito. Uh, Now, these were five metre high stone phalluses and that were there for a fertility festival. And the the Spanish Catholics obviously changed the name. Uh, But uh, you you see that uh, religion has evolved in different societies. Uh, It's in the interest of religion to promote ideas over the material world. This bolsters the privilege of the priest caste over the labouring masses. The, uh, the Roman philosopher Seneca also had a very good quote about this. Religion is regarded by the common people as true, by the wise as false, and by the rulers as useful. As class society changed, so did religion. Slave society, uh, with many masters, had parallels in polytheism. Many masters, many gods. Eventually, the Roman Empire came into crisis. And, and, and Christianity arose as a revolutionary mass movement. It was part of an anti-imperialist movement of Jews in Roman-occupied Palestine. To go with its uh, sort of revolutionary roots, Christianity was referred to as a religion of women and slaves. The early Christians were communists. Uh, they shared out all their wealth. And there's some you know, fantastic uh, anti-capitalist statements in the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. Uh, A rich man cannot enter heaven, or at least it's supposed to be very, very difficult. Uh, But in the material world, the Christians also provided a a form of collective welfare uh, in collapsing Roman society. Uh, The Roman emperors tried to oppress the rising Christian movement. Emperor Nero threw the Christians to the lions, created a great number of martyrs in the process. But those martyrs were used to rally the cause. All experience shows that religion actually grows on oppression. Because if people really believe that uh, heaven and salvation is the only way out of this suffering, then then there's no reason to to recant because then uh, you're going to end this way out of the suffering. So the crisis in the Roman Empire eventually led to a split in the ruling class. And Constantine lent on the Christians to win power. And, and, and he convened the, the Council of Nicaea. It brought together all of the different Christian factions. Uh, 
told them, look, you must come to a common doctrine. Uh, the stories is he had to sort of lock the door and leave them without food until they sorted it out. Uh, in in the process of creating Christianity as a state religion. Which Alex, course, can you, they, sorry, can you speak a little bit slower for the translators? Uh, which, of course, they uh, uh, ditched uh, the common, communist baggage while becoming a state religion. And this gave Rome a period of stability, actually, prior to its uh, inevitable collapse. Uh, and in power, the uh, the Christians enacted uh, terrible oppression against the uh, the pagan polytheists. Okay, so going on to feudalism. Uh, now, monotheist Catholic Christianity was the perfect religion for feudalism. One church, one God, one king. The church was an intrinsic part of the state and a major landowner. Uh, it was inherently conservative, opposed to progress. At, you know, there was ma- the massacres of the Inquisition and the Crusades. And, uh, and in, in response to this uh, religious oppression, wrapped up with state repression, the, the rising bourgeois turned to Protestantism. Luther translated the Bible in the 16th century. Uh, previously, it was in Latin, only in Latin, so only the priests could read it. And then the priests could interpret the Bible in any way they saw fit. Now, you know, <clears throat> it's people ask, what's the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism? Well, there's lots of outer differences. Uh, Catholic uh, churches and cathedrals are very grand, lots of gold everywhere. Protestant churches are a lot more plain. And 45 that, minutes. Uh, famous Protestant work ethic. You can see how it's linked to the bourgeois. But there's one major um, doctrinal difference. Uh, The Catholics believe in salvation by deeds, and the Protestants believe in salvation by faith. Now, for the the Catholics, you could buy uh, forgiveness. Uh, There's even a, you know, there's a whole list of uh, prices for various sins, including rape and murder and infanticide. And, And this is how they got the money for all these huge cathedrals. But the uh, the Protestant salvation by faith is a lot cheaper. You know, I, I have faith, I'm saved, which allowed the bourgeois to, to use their capital to reinvest in production instead of building cathedrals. This leads us to the English Revolution in the 17th century. And, and everybody should listen to Alan Woods's excellent series on the revolution. And in that, Alan explains how the only way that political tendencies could express themselves was by via religious sects. Our reaction was Catholic. Uh, the big bourgeois were Presbyterian and the vanguard were Anabaptists and independents. Uh, actually, when you look at history, you'll see there are two gods. There's the reactionary god of the ruling class and the potentially revolutionary god of the masses. We fight against the church when it unites with the ruling class to oppress the masses. But we, but we unite with believers when their faith is how they express their opposition to oppression. You've seen liberation theology in Latin America. In, in, in our Venezuela solidarity work, uh, you know, I've, I've had the honor of working hand in hand uh, with uh, many liberation theologists. Uh, you, you saw the, the beginning of the 1905 Russian Revolution, where the masses lined up behind uh, Father Gopon. Yeah. 
Actually, I, I do a radio show with the radical Reverend uh, Sherry DeNovo, a United Church minister. We haven't actually re- discussed religion on the show yet. Uh, but in a few weeks, she's giving a, a talk on how Jesus was a communist. Yeah. Lenin said that during a strike is probably the worst time to bring up atheism. The boss will try everything in his power to divide and conquer the workers. We need unity to win a strike. Uh, we can discuss uh, whether or not there is a God, God after the workers have fought together and built that solidarity by fighting. So move forward in history 150 years to the French Revolution. The French Revolution didn't need religion like the English Revolution. The, the revolutionary French bourgeois were atheists. And the, the counter-revolution was based upon the religious Vendée. So, so we open our arms to religious workers who want to fight oppression. But while we do that, we must be absolutely clear on the reactionary role of the church. Pope Alexander VI issued the Doctrine of Discovery in 1493. And this was the papal justification for the murderous colonization by Christopher Columbus. It is estimated that 175 million indigenous were killed in the colonization of the Americas. Remember that next time one of these right-wing idiots starts yelling about 100 million dead from communism. That 100 million is bull, but colonialism and capitalism killed 175 million indigenous, or blessed by the church. And uh, actually, South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu has a, a good quote about colonialism. When the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. We closed our eyes. When we opened them, we had the Bible and they had the land. We've seen incredible corruption scandals in all of the churches. They covered up sexual assaults. In Canada, all of the churches were involved in uh, native uh, residential schools. Uh, thousands and thousands were abused and murdered. Uh, and this has been labeled a genocide. Uh, and in Ireland, um, there's uh, horrendous stories. In convents, they found piles of baby corpses, baby skeletons from unwed mothers. So we must have an absolutely clear-eyed view about the reactionary role of the church when united with the state. And, and that's why Marxists believe in a total separation of church and state, freedom of religion and freedom from religion. Nobody will oppress you for your belief, but you can't oppress anybody else. You can't demand tax breaks or state funding. Religion, with respect to the state, it should be a totally private affair. Do it on your own time with your own money. And this is not the case in a large number of countries. You know, there's state funding of Catholic schools. The Pakistani state is officially Islamic. Judaism is the official religion of Israel. And Palestinians are second-class citizens. This is totally reactionary. But we will fight against all forms of religious oppression. Uh, we were, the Marxists were at the forefront of uh, fighting anti-Semitism of the Tsarist state that organized regular, regular pogroms against the Jews that killed thousands. And, and this led to sort of many Jews becoming Marxists, like Leon Trotsky, Rosa Luxemburg. Yeah. I, I, and one 
feature of state religion is stinking hypocrisy. That, uh, you know, you've got a sort of very pious religious men like George Bush and Tony Blair. Who One had hour. absolutely no problem using religion to justify the killing of thousands and thousands. Uh, they have mobilized Islamophobia, advanced the ideas of a clash of civilizations, all to justify imperialist wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's estimated there's been half a million violent deaths in these countries directly as a result of the imperialist invasion, and then millions more social deaths and excess death rates. Islamophobia is now totally rampant in Western capitalism. So we've seen under the false banner of secularism, the oppression of Muslim women wearing head coverings. Now, some even some feminists have uh, jumped on board this oppression of Muslim women. Talk about how Iranian women are forced to wear head coverings. See, see, in Iran, you've got the state telling Muslim women that they must wear head coverings. In France and Quebec and other countries, you're having the state tell Muslim women they cannot wear head coverings. Marxists believe that the state should stop telling women what to wear. And we unite with them against state repression. Because, you know, and, and in the West, this is done, you know, the, under the so-called banner of secularism. But such oppressive secularism does absolutely nothing to end religiosity. It, it is just a way of attacking immigrants and dividing and conquering the working class. So uh, Marxists offer our solidarity against this racist religious oppression. And we aim to unite the working class against all state repression. Uh, the imperialists have also tried to use religion to stop socialism. Uh, they uh, funded the Taliban in Afghanistan to destabilize the Soviet-backed regime. The, uh, the CIA and Mossad built up Hamas as a counterweight to socialist Palestinian factions. But now Islamic fundamentalism is a Frankenstein's monster of imperialism. Uh, we've seen sort of Al-Qaeda and ISIS rise up and, uh, and bit the imperialists that previously funded them. But there's not just Islamic fundamentalism. There's Hindu fundamentalism in India, Buddhist, Buddhist fundamentalism in Sri Lanka, Jewish fundamentalism in the occupied territories, and Christian fundamentalism in the United States. But we, we shouldn't let this um, uh, cloud our view. that, In fact, religion is in general decline. Uh, the United States is actually one of the most religious Western countries. But even the United States is decreasing. Uh, in 1998, 70% of Americans were a member of a church. Uh, by 2018, that had been reduced to 50%. And the non-religious are also increasing. In the early 1970s, only 6% of Americans were non-religious. Now that's about 22%. Uh, women are about 10% more likely to be religious than men in the United States. And, and this makes sense uh, because religion tends to have a stronger hold on the more oppressed layers. But uh, when you see the fundamentalist evangelical Christians, they're 61% men. So you've seen this polarization in society, movement to the left and to the right. So while you see a sort of a, a growth in uh, uh, non-religious attitudes, uh, you've also seen, for those who stay religious, more fundamentalist Christianity. So a higher proportion of white Protestants in the United States are born again Christians. 
And these churches tend to be quite reactionary. Uh, 66% of church members consider themselves Republicans. They oppose evolution and abortion. And, and this makes up 25% of the U.S. population. Uh, and, and yet they, you know, the hypocrisy of these churches for supporting Donald Trump is amazing. Given his uh, repeated adultery and, and general self sinfulness, but it's all part of a capitalist attempt to use religion to divide and conquer the working class. And divide and conquer is a major feature of religion. You saw the divide between the partition of India and Pakistan. You see the divide in Northern Ireland. They tried to use religion against the Venezuelan revolution. Actually, Chavez dealt with this quite smartly. He quoted uh, socialist Bible verses, said that Jesus was a communist fighting imperialism. And uh, he attacked the church for its hypocrisy and for supporting the rich. Now, if you want to see how not to deal with religion, look to Stalinism. Uh, the Stalinists persecuted religion. Uh, this is very stupid. Now, the Romans showed how a religious persecution merely leads to an increase in religion. It makes, makes the religion stronger. And, and it made the church a center for pro-capitalist opposition in Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. And after the fall of Stalinism, you saw how uh, the former Stalinist states were invaded by a wave of religious sects. So we can't fall for divide and conquer, but we also can't rely upon uh, bourgeois rationalists to stop religion. Uh, about 15 years ago, uh, the geneticist uh, Richard Dawkins organized uh, new atheists uh, to attack religion. Uh, Fifteen minutes left. But uh, these his rationalist arguments didn't actually convince anybody he was actually religious. Also, it was totally devoid of uh, any class analysis or class approach. You can't ignore the class question when you're studying, when you're discussing religion. Uh, subsequently, Dawkins turned more Islamophobic and more openly reactionary. So actually, if you look at the people who are new atheists about a decade ago, uh, uh, t today uh, they've split into two camps. Uh, half of them are communists and half of them are fascists. I, I know even some comrades who are new atheists back in the day. So we fight for class solidarity and unity of the workers across, across religious lines. Religion is a private affair with regard to the state, or at least it should be. But what approach do we take within the Revolutionary Party? Lenin wrote quite a lot on this. So... You do not have to be an atheist to join the international Marxist tendency. But the, the INT is atheist. We don't close our doors to good class fighters. So if you believe that capitalism must be overthrown, that the working class needs an organization to help them do this, and you're willing to build the INT as that organization, then you're welcome in our ranks. And we'll discuss And we will discuss religion as comrades. We understand that people don't give up their faith overnight. Also for those very atheist comrades, it's very important to be patient with someone with belief, to not make fun of them. They'll get there. They'll get there. Um, but to, to, the, to those with belief, we have to say, look, look, being a communist is not just about being a fighter. It's not just about what's in your heart. Although it, that is vitally important, being a communist is also about thinking and understanding. Uh, 
That's why we've organized this fantastic school. And in our view, the best method of analysis is dialectical materialism. I've seen many communists become materialists as through fighting, they understood that dialectical materialism was the best method to win a victory for the workers. And, and that's what's really important here. What will help us win victory for the workers and overthrow capitalism? And amongst the youth, you've seen a general trend of rejecting religion. Millennials are 20% less religious than Generation X in the United States. But you've also seen a rise in so-called spirituality. In 2012, uh, 19% of Americans were spiritual but not religious. Five years later, that had actually risen to 27%. So spirituality encompasses sort of new age, astrology, tarot, stuff like that. Uh, it's belief in the supernatural, but a rejection of church and state. And you know, in some ways, it's progressive to reject organized religion. Uh, but, but I've heard people say that this is harmless. Well, yes and no. You can see it's just a bit of entertainment to uh, check your horoscope in the newspaper. Although I don't think young people read newspapers anymore. But, but then I've actually seen people get really upset over this question. And, and, and that made me believe that there's something else going on, that uh, this spirituality must give people something more than just entertainment. Tarot and astrology, you know, they're all linked uh, in some way with uh, predicting the future. Capitalism is, is very scary and unpredictable for working class people. Terrible things happen on a regular basis and people want uh, some sense of control. And, you know, uh, predicting the future spirituality, it gives people that control. But it, it is a false control. And while uh, spirituality is not part of the state, it is part of capitalism. Fortune telling is a $2 billion industry in the United States. And, and there's numerous stories of people being scammed and manipulated by so-called psychics. And they lost tens of thousands of dollars in the process. So, so we say the best view of the world, if you want to change the world, is a view of the world derived from the world itself. That rejecting notions of the supernatural will help you change the world. As I started this lead off, there, there is nothing supernatural, nothing beyond nature. And, and having that clear-eyed understanding of reality is what is really going to help you to change reality. Because this is what this entire discussion is about, changing the world. We have to understand capitalism if we wish to overthrow it. And if we wish to end all of the evils of capitalism, which forces people to turn to spirituality or religion. But we can't demand a perfect working class to do this. We're going to overthrow capitalism with the working class that exists today, not an imaginary ideal working class. Christians and Buddhists, Muslims and Jews, believers and non-believers, all sectors of the working class. We unite, we unite all of those workers against capitalism. We build a new society without oppression, exploitation and poverty. And we can debate whether there's a heaven in the sky, why we're actually concretely building a heaven on earth. And, and us atheists believe that under these improved conditions, religion will tend to wither away. If you remove oppression and poverty, people will feel less of a need to turn to these ideas. But we're also aware that this won't happen immediately. It may take a few generations, but the point is to find out. The struggle builds the unity. And as we struggle, 
we will learn from each other. So let's get on with overthrowing capitalism. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, so yeah, we will now take a uh, short break. Uh, before we take a break, I would uh, like to uh, promote our international bookstore, uh, Well Read Books, uh, yeah, which you can find at wellreadbooks.net or through throughmarxist.com. And I hope Alex's presentation has uh, got you interested in this question. Uh, and in particular, uh, there's a there's a good book that Well Read has called Behind the Myths, which I recommend. Okay, so we're going to take a break until 3 p.m. British summertime. Uh, so, yeah, that will be about 23 minutes. Uh, yeah, and we'll come back with a few people intervening. See you in 23 minutes. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we'll now get started with the discussion. Uh, our first intervention will be by uh, Jerome Metalus from France. Uh, Jerome, are you there? Yes. Okay, take it away. Okay, well, in an article called Socialism and Religion, published in 1905, Lenin wrote the following. Everywhere the reactionary bourgeoisie has concerned itself with the fomenting of religious strife in order to divert the attention of the masses from the really important and fundamental economic and political problems. And this is exactly what the French bourgeoisie uh, and its politicians have been doing for many years on a massive scale. It takes the form of a permanent flow of attacks against Muslims in the media. And uh, there are millions of Muslims workers in France, mainly originating from Algeria, Tunisia and Morocco. Very often these attacks are launched in the name of secularism, as uh, Alex explained. A very convenient word to covert racist propaganda, because this is what it really is at the end of the day. As a matter of fact, the French bourgeoisie and its state, it is the French bourgeoisie and its state that violates the principles of secularism. For example, they are, they are massively financing, financing religious, religious private schools. 97% of private schools in France get state subventions to pay for their teachers and other expenses. This costs 8 billion euros of public money every year, while the Ministry of Cult Culture, for example, has a budget of only 10 billion euros. And by the way, one part of these 10 billion also ends up in the pockets of religious institutions. So, so much for, for the French Enlightenment. But despite this, they attack Muslims in the name of secularism. As I said, they, they do this on a daily basis. Thousands of academics and journalists have made a career out of this uh, reactionary propaganda. But regularly, these attacks take the form of a massive and official campaign orchestrated by the government who proposes a new law or opens um, what he calls a national debate. In 2004, for example... The right-wing government proposed a law for forbidding the veil in the public schools. This has nothing to do with secularism. In fact, it's an attack against secularism because it's the case of the state intervening against the religious belief of people. And of course, bourgeois feminists supported this law. Five and, minutes. And joined the chorus against Muslims, workers and youth. Despite the fact that as a consequence of this law, 
the Muslim private schools had an important influx of new students, which was uh, perfectly predictable, and we had predicted that. But the main point here is that this law was mainly a pretext to launch a massive campaign in the media against the Muslims, a campaign that lasted for many weeks, I think two months, two or three months, during which everything was thrown at the head of the Muslims. Quite often we heard things like wearing a veil or going to the mosque is the first step towards Islamic fundamentalism. We heard that from journalists, academics, politicians, a lot of people. We also heard calls to keep an eye on every Muslim to make sure they don't become terrorists. So anyway, they forbid the veil at school, and so they had to find another another trick. And so another question emerged. Could mothers with a veil participate to school trips with their kids? Well, if they forbid that, the first consequence will be that a lot of these kids will not go to school trips anymore, or else they will be sent by the parents to a religious private school. This hasn't been voted yet, but it's been on the agenda of the governments, different several governments for many years. And that's precisely the aim, to transform a trivial question into a long campaign of anti-Muslim propaganda. Another example was the so-called debate on national identity. Ten minutes. Launched by Sarkozy in 2009. Of course, this against, this again was directed against the Muslims explicitly. This time the states organized not only debates in the medias, but also public meetings where everyone could come and say what they think about national identity. What happened is the extreme white right wing invited these meetings and the debate ended up being so blatantly racist and xenophobic that even Sarkozy had to cancel the whole, the whole thing. The only good thing I can remember from this was the public intervention of Eric Cantona, a famous football player, who said, what is the national identity of French people? Well, that's very simple. Revolution. And he had a lot of success. I sum up. With the crisis of capitalism and the intensification of the class struggle, the strategy of divide and rule is going to intensify everywhere. So it's very important that we develop a correct position on this question. On the one hand, as Marxists, we can't make any concession to religious and mystical ideas. And above all, we must denounce the reactionary role played by many religious institutions. But Two on, minutes left. But on, but on the other hand, our, our attitude to religious workers met, must be subordinated to the goal of uniting all, work, all the workers in the struggle for socialism. This means that we must oppose clearly every attempt to divide our class along religious lines. And also that we must not fall into the trap of abstract propaganda against religion. As Lenin put it, no number of pamphlets and no amounts of preaching can, can enlighten the working class if it is not enlightened by its own struggle against the dark, dark forces of capitalism. Unit is the real revolutionary struggle of the oppressed class for the creation of a paradise on earth. Most Sorry, unity in this really revolutionary struggle of the oppressed class for the creation of a paradise on earth is more important to us than unity of proletarian opinion on paradise in heaven. That's it. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jerome. Okay, so the next speaker we have is Paras from the Pakistani section of the IMT. Hey, comrades, can you listen to me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can, we can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, I think I don't uh, need to go through the philosophical uh, discussion and philosophical foundations of this uh, discussion on religion because I think it is already well explained by Alex. I think it, uh, it is very obvious that the uh, question of religion is very uh, and far more relevant in those uh, regions of uh, this planet uh, in which the bourgeoisie was, is, and will not be able to uh, complete the democratic revolution. I'm not saying that the uh, question already uh, resolved 100% in the advanced because in the uh, recent crisis, we are seeing that uh, the question of religion, nation, race, all these questions now emerging in the development. Also. In, f- in fact, in some cases, the uh, ruling class is promoting these questions. When they are unable to resolve some issue, they start uh, to uh, use that issue. This is their main uh, instinctual feature of capitalist class. Hey, Paras, can you speak a little a little bit louder, please? Sorry. Okay. When we, we uh, when we come to Muslim world, uh, there is not a single country in which we can say that uh, the ruling classes completed the bourgeois revolution. Western imperialist powers, uh, by creating Islamic fundamentalism, uh, they really exploited this weakness of Muslim ruling classes, and they are still this. Uh, uh, in recent times. And by exploiting this weakness of uh, the local ruling classes of Islamic world, they are looting uh, uh, the resources, oil and everything from the Muslim countries. If we talk about Pakistan, it is uh, the country that was created in the name of Islam. Uh, and uh, uh, in fact, there was no historical, geographical and cultural need for the creation of this uh, country. Because of these reasons, uh, revolutionaries of Islamic world in general and uh, in Pakistan uh, in particular uh, confront two specific tendencies while they are uh, uh, they try to build revolutionary forces. Number one uh, is that a number of uh, politically active students uh, reject revolutionary ideas because they say uh, that they are labeled as un-Islamic by the Islamic preachers. On the other hand, uh, among uh, progressive circles, there is a tendency which limitizes all the uh, the whole political struggle to the so-called secular and uh, democratic program. Betrayals and adventures of ex-Stalinists here uh, played even far greater role than the objective conditions to uh, to the growth of these, both these these two tendencies. Lacking Five minutes. Lacking with clear scientific understanding and uh, 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 the dialectical uh, understanding, uh, they used to ridicule and humiliate the religious sentiments publicly. They were in habit to use uh, abus- abusive language uh, to the religious people, even common people. 
these sectarian sectarianist methods weaken their link with common people after the failure of 69 68 69 revolution and then uh, afghan revolution and then iranian revolution uh, imperialists and uh, local big machine used this sectarian uh, attitude of against the whole movement they impose islam fundamentalism from the above and dramatically after the collapse of soviet union uh, these ex stalinist most of most of them who were the uh, biggest uh, prosecutors of religion turned themselves into uh, mysticism and some kind of uh, spirituality and some other one uh, they abandoned class struggle and they became liberal and they joined ngos and uh, that's why that uh, when now the new generation of students and workers in pakistan and islamic world uh, they are starting to uh, protest against the capitalist system and they are now entering in the revolutionary arena they are unable to distinguish liberals communists and these mysticists uh, in pakistan it is our duty uh, to present our ideas in clear scientific way marxism and liberalism are not the sister ideologies in fact they are the opponent ideologies they uh, the purpose of liberals uh, 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 is to eliminate the religion not the islam uh, fundamentalism but the religion and uh, uh, the the purpose of uh, marxist is Uh, to eliminate the objective conditions and objective and material base of this religious uh, religious forces religiosity and liberals uh, hate and ridicule uh, poor religious people and we point out the uh, reason of this religiosity we point out the economic 10 minutes of uh, economic change of the poor people that tie the minds with the picket of conservatism uh, we point out the economic chains of the poor people that tie the minds of the people to the picket of this conservatism but poor people something is better than nothing if they can't buy medicine they at least can pray for healing and recovery liberals can't understand the, uh, that religion uh, mean dif- uh, have different meaning for different classes in the society for uh, working class uh, region is just a compulsion but for petty bourgeoisie it is uh, 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 it manifests their hypocrisy and for ruling class it is the tool of oppression uh, of the working class for uh, uh, i i will give you example of uh, hypocrisy of middle class in pakistan if you meet a businessman or a shopkeeper or a big liar uh, who was uh, drinking alcohol and uh, talking about his uh, several of his sex sex affairs and he uh, and you ask him the, what is the solution of all problems of pakistani people uh, he will reply that it is all because of our distancing from uh, islam islamic teachings and uh, islamic revolution is the only solution and similarly if you go to the uh, gathering of some hardcore islamists and you ask them how many of uh, you uh, want to settle in europe and none of uh, them uh, will refuse and all of uh, them say that we are agree and we, we are willing to go to usc this is the two, reality two of islamization this is the reality of so called islamization of pakistani society and state 
even the judges journalists and the politicians who are all all the time uh, uh, preaching islamic teachings and uh, all of them are uh, shifting their uh, children and their property to the europe and uh, the, the usa some fools believe that uh, socialism is non practical and impossible in islamic world this hypothesis is false not only on uh, uh, logical ground but also it is a distortion of historical facts in the 20th century some of the biggest communist parties of the world were created in the islamic world like iran and indonesia uh, and uh, even in pakistan uh, in 60s 70s communism was not an alien idea it was the betrayal of stalinist in fact that uh, made people hijacked by the islamic fundamentalists and and left reformists accelerated this process like zulfikar ali bhutto in pakistan in fact started this islamic counter revolution in pakistan and he banned uh, alcohol and he declared officially a specific sect as a non muslim after his assassination a military general uh, uh, completed the process that was originated by this so called left leader zulfikar ali bhutto but now but can you wrap up the, please paris now the, uh, but now the situation is changing fastly but uh, these liberals these left reformists are still mentally living in that dark ages uh, in in the in that counter revolutionary period after the shutdown of uh, sacred uh, centers of islam muslim world in saudi arabia in the this uh, lock, lockdown uh, corona crisis it shattered the uh, consciousness of the Mus- uh, common people of muslim world state and imperialist funding of islamic fundamentalists is now no more a secret people raising question about every each and every sacred thing and personality and party and uh, uh, every sacred thing uh, and uh, in the past uh, it was uh, not uh, no one can uh, think about this this situation so paris, social media please, please wrap up role. paris okay social media is playing a key role that's why now state uh, institutions and uh, uh, ruling parties uh, thinking about banning social media in pakistan it is impossible and it, even they attempt it it will raise the political consciousness even further and uh, revolutionize the uh, consciousness of uh, youth in pakistan in fact we are inching towards a revolutionary crisis in pakistan and yes the rulers will uh, once again use islamic fundamentalists and all reactionary elements of society against islam uh, revolutionary forces but but if we but but if we deal this question scientifically and uh, not reactionary manner uh, and uh, present a scientific and political program to unite workers and uh, students uh, i think that uh, now these fundamentalists are not in position to sabotage the revolutionary movement now it is our revolutionary duty don't repeat the mistakes of so called ex revolutionaries and complete the revolution that is our historical task thank you comrades thank you paris uh next speaker we have is james kilby from uh great britain uh just a second james i will unmute you okay thank you joe go ahead okay alex has already outlined the decline of religion in many countries i want to elaborate on this with the example of ireland In the early 20th century, the Irish war for independence was sabotaged by petty bourgeois leadership and a compromise made with British imperialism to petition the island. Religious sectarianism would be used to divide and rule the working class. In the Republic of Ireland, the Catholic Church was given enormous powers. The church controlled all aspects of social life. 
politics, morality, and particularly the family. This was tied up with the intense oppression of women. Women were supposed to stay at home, serving their husbands and God. Contraception was illegal until 1980. Priests used to go from home to home to ask why there had been no children born that year. Homosexuality was illegal until 1993, and divorce was illegal until 1996. Even today, the church runs 90% of primary schools and half of secondary schools. And this is despite the supposed separation between the church and state. Yet despite this position of power, the authority of the church has dramatically declined over the past few decades. In 1984, 90% of Irish Catholics went to Mass each week. By 2018, this had fallen to about one third or less. Although in some Dublin parishes, attendance is now as little as 2%. In 2016, 10% of the population identified as atheist, but that rises to 40% of 15 to 24-year-olds. Now the church is in crisis. In 2017, only seven men signed up to train as priests. The crisis was graphically revealed in two recent referenda. The first in 2015 on whether to legalise same-sex marriage. 62% voted yes. This was despite decades of propaganda from the church against homosexuality. Only one constituency voted no. This was one of the most conservative rural areas. This was an enormous blow to the authority of the church. Then in 2018, over 66% voted to legalise abortion. Five minutes. To put this into perspective... The same percentage voted for the criminalization of abortion only 35 years before. So the situation has turned into its opposite. In some working class areas of Dublin, the yes vote was over 75%. But most striking was the vote amongst the youth. 88% of 18 to 24 year olds voted yes. So discredited was the church that they consciously avoided participation in the no campaign as they knew to do so would simply fuel the yes vote. So why has the church lost its authority? Well, it was not due to the propaganda of people like the new atheists. It was due to a number of material factors. One of these was the development of the working class in Ireland over the past decades. Ireland used to be a predominantly rural economy, but over the past 30 years, the ranks of the working class have grown. People have moved to the cities and ways of life have changed including the entry of women into the workforce. Alongside this, the church has been exposed as completely rotten. This is a dialectical process. So powerful was the church that the church establishment believed they could act with impunity. They could commit whatever crime and get away with it. Priests could literally get away with murder, which was committed on a mass scale. Paedophilia was rife throughout the church. Women who had children outside marriage had their babies taken away. The women were sent to institutions to perform slave labour. They were subject to mental, physical and sexual torture. The church ran orphanages for so-called delinquent children, including those born out of wedlock. It is thought that about 4,000 children were killed in such institutions. Others were raped, tortured and starved. Ten minutes The state helped cover up such abuses, but in the past decades, the truth began to come out. Thus, the strength of the church contributed to its downfall. 
In 2012, a young woman, Savita Halapavana, died while suffering a miscarriage. When she begged for an abortion, which might have saved her life, she was told by the doctors, no, this is a Catholic country. When news of this got out, for many it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Thousands of women began to share their own horrific experiences. All of this is symptoms of a revolutionary process under the surface. Pillars of the establishment entering into crisis. They cannot rule in the old way. It is linked to a general ferment in society, which is the product of years of austerity, unemployment and worsening conditions. People identify the church with the establishment, which is increasingly hated. In the past, the church used its position to discredit any left-wing movement. It whipped up anti-communist hysteria long before Joseph McCarthy in the USA. Now, it is unable to do that to anything like the same degree. It has lost its authority. In all countries, our task is to drive a wedge between workers and the religious establishment. Two minutes, James. An establishment which preaches class compromise in the name of religion and give confidence to workers to organise for their own interests on their own terms and take conscious control over their lives. Thank you, comrades. Thank you, James. Uh, the next... The next speaker we have uh, is uh, Julien from uh, Canada. Uh, Julien, you're there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Take it away. All right. So Marxists have every interest in learning the lessons of all revolutionary history. And the revolutionary fight of early Christianity is no exception. There are many lessons that we can learn. There's many similarities with the struggle of Marxists today, but also some important also some important differences. So Christianity arose in a period of decay of Roman society. The slave economy was in decline. The main state spending were the military and public buildings. The empire let its building go to pieces while trying to bolster its declining army. At the same time, the state took everything it could through taxes, labor services, tax in kind, etc., So hostility towards this state grew massively. And in the society in decline, the ruling class became completely degenerate. Their only function was to consume and enjoy endlessly, like parasites, the surpluses produced by the slaves. There was decay in all fields of life. The individuals felt no attachment to their community or to the state that literally plundered them. And everyone was left alone in a scary, scary world in decline. And suicide was even a common occurrence at that time. Now, doesn't that whole picture sound very familiar to the situation we have today under capitalism? So life was getting more and more unbearable, and there didn't seem to be a way out. It is in this context that Christianity took hold, promising and preparing life after death. The early Christians had a deep class hatred of the rich of Roman society. And they were communists, as Alex mentioned. They shared their goods and distributed them according to needs of individuals within the community. There's a French author, Ernest Renan, who said, who said the following about early Christian communities. He said, do not compare them to the parish congregation of our day. They were rather like a local section of the International Working Men's Association, i.e. the first international founded by Karl Marx. It was a revolutionary struggle or a protest against Roman society, to paraphrase Marx. And their firm belief, 
uh, on the imminent return of Christ made them resist all persecution that came down on them. Five minutes. This was, this was also the period of the rise of Caesarism. And Caesar dissolved all the clubs and associations that existed. He wanted a- absolute power with atomized individuals submitted to it. But despite this, Christianity was able to survive. Why is this? Karl Kautsky wrote an excellent book on, uh, called Foundations of Christianity. And he says this, he says, the only organizations that could exist under the empire were those that had a broad social goal, a high ideal. And then he says, only the most revolutionary or the most ideal of motives could give an organization the strength to live. Christianity had something to offer to the masses. And this really shows the power of ideas, how ideas can unite people in a cause greater than themselves. And in fact, some Christians today look towards this revolutionary past for inspiration. Liberation theology in Latin America is an example of this. It developed in the 60s and 70s among the lower ranks of the Catholic Church that were appalled by the poverty, oppression, and repression against the masses. There's a Colombian priest that took up arms, Camilo Torres, said the following, It is the duty of every Catholic to be a revolutionary. The Catholic who is not a revolutionary is living in mortal sin. And we can be sure that in the future, we will see other splits in religious communities along class lines. Ten minutes. And that uh, many religious people will become the best socialist fighters. But ultimately, Christianity did degenerate. At the time of Rome, there was no material conditions for communism. So instead of the Christians being able to transform society on communist lines, it was class society that transformed Christianity. Class divisions developed within it, and Christianity became state religion and played a reactionary role ever since. But it still remains a fascinating and inspiring movement. But there are also important differences between then and now. At that time, there was no class able to carry out a successful revolution to overthrow slave society. Instead, you had the slow decline of the Roman Empire over hundreds of years. Two minutes remaining. Christianity offered a way way out, outside of that world, in life after death. But, But what's the situation today? Capitalism is in decline, and we have barbarism around us. Capitalism creates despair and atomizes people very similar to, to the decline of Rome. But today, there, too, there is a cause that springs out, a movement that comes out of this barbarism that can give us hope and calls on us to build a paradise in this world, and that is the socialist movement. And this time, there is a class that can stop us from falling into barbarism, and that is the working class. And yes, I'll say as Marxists, we do have, I, I do have faith as a Marxist. I have faith in the working class but it is not the same as religious faith. It's based on a historical and materialist analysis that shows how the working class developed historically. Wrap up, please. Take control of the economy and abolish class society altogether for real this time. And yes, we have faith that history will prove us right. And this Marxist analysis derived from the real world is our guide to action. And, and this faith in the workers must lead us to take active part in this fight and to make victory happen. And at at the time of the Roman Empire, only organization with high ideals could survive. I would say the same about today. Fighting to reform capitalism is demoralizing, at least to nowhere. And reformist organization will be discredited and and fall and decline. There's never been a better time to join the fight for a socialist world. The future is ours.
Thank you. Thank you, Julian. Uh, so the final speaker we have is Ricardo Che from Mexico. Just one second here. Che, uh, you're good? Is she? Yes. Ah, yes. Sorry. Yes. Ricardo Che will be intervening in Spanish in the Zoom call. And so the translation will be happening in uh, on the, the main channel. Engels dijo en alguna ocasión. Engels said in one occasion. Que la historia del cristianismo primitivo ofrecía curiosos puntos de contacto con el movimiento obrero actual. The history of early Christianity offered curious points of contact with the modern labor movement. El cristianismo nació como la religión de los oprimidos y los esclavos. Christianity was born as the religion of slaves and the poor. A la postre, el cristianismo sería cooptado y convertido en religión oficial. In the end, Christianity would be co-opted and made an official religion. Y la iglesia se convertiría en instrumento de dominación de las distintas clases explotadoras. And the church became an instrument of domination of the different exploiting classes. Más que los designios de Dios, son los hechos de los hombres en la sociedad los que han marcado el devenir y las divisiones en la iglesia. More than the designs of God, it is the acts of men in society that have marked the evolution and divisions of the church. En algunos momentos, la lucha de clases se ha expresado abiertamente en las distintas tendencias religiosas. At times, the class struggle has been openly expressed in different religion, religious trends. Y los orígenes comunistas del cristianismo vuelven a resurgir. The revolutionary and communist traditions of the origin of, of Christianity have emerged on more than one occasion. Un ejemplo claro de esto es la teología de la liberación. An example is liberation theology. Que tiene su auge principalmente en la década de los 70s y 80s. Which was a movement uh, that had its, uh, its heyday in the 70s and 80s. En realidad debemos hablar de las teologías de la liberación porque tienen entre ellas distintas concepciones. In reality, we must speak of liberation theologies in plural because there are different conceptions. Pero todas ellas plantean la opción preferencial por los pobres. But they all consider the core of their work in favor of the poor. En su concepción teológica rescatan el actual revolucionario de Jesucristo. In their theological conception, they recover the revolutionary actions of Jesus Christ. Ven al cristianismo primitivo en su contexto de lucha de clases. Uh, they see the context of class struggle in which Christianity arose as, at first. El cristianismo en general reivindica a los pobres y plantea la caridad. Christianity in general vindicates the poor and proposes charity. La teología de la liberación se pregunta además las causas de la pobreza. Liberation theology also asks the causes of poverty. Como diría Don Halder Camera, un obispo brasileño. As Don Halder Camera, Brazilian bishop, would say. Cuando doy de comer a los pobres, dicen que soy un santo. Cuando denuncio las causas de la pobreza, dicen que soy comunista. When I feed the poor, they say I am a saint. When I denounce the causes of poverty, they say I'm a communist. La teo los teólogos de la liberación explican la sociedad en que vivimos y así algunos retoman algunos elementos del marxismo. Liberation theologists explain the society in which we live and thus retake some elements of Marxist analysis. Para combatir la causa de la pobreza se plantea la transformación social y la lucha por el paraíso en esta tierra. In order to combat the cause of poverty, social transformation and the fight for paradise on this earth were raised. 
En contextos de enorme lucha de clases, los seguidores de la teología de la liberación no solo justificaron la revolución, sino que se sumaron a ella. En contextos de enormes class struggle, the followers of liberation theology not only justified revolution, but also joined it. Como se puede ver, la teología de la liberación fue más lejos que un debate teológico. As can be seen, liberation theology went further than a theological debate. Muchos sacerdotes se comprometieron con la causa de campesinos y obreros. Many priests committed, that committed themselves to the cause of peasants and workers. Eh, además, se organizaron miles de creyentes en comités eclesiales de base. Liberation theology was also a mass movement because ecclesial-based committees were created where thousands of religious workers y este movimiento ayudó a la organización de obreros y campesinos fought for social equality and were organized and thus helping the self-organizations of workers and peasants. Eh, la teología de la liberación tendrá un papel sumamente relevante en la década de los 70s y 80s en Centroamérica. This movement would play a relevant role in the revolutionary struggle in the late 1970s and 1980s in Central America. Ellos fueron influidos por la lucha de clases y ellos influyeron también a la lucha de clases. They were influenced by class struggle and they themselves influenced class struggle. Podemos hablar de Ernesto Cardenal en Nicaragua, podemos hablar de Monseñor Romero en El Salvador, de Ignacio Ellacuría en El Salvador también. We could talk of Ernesto Cardenal en Nicaragua, we could talk of Monseñor Romero en El Salvador. Cinco minutos. Eh, en donde varios de estos sacerdotes fueron reprimidos junto al conjunto del movimiento obrero. Where many of these priests were oppressed uh, as lo, uh, along with the rest of the workers' movement. Y varios de estos sacerdotes fueron asesinados eh, por las, los regímenes dictatoriales. And many of these uh, priests were assassinated by dictatorial movements and uh, government, sorry. Y debemos de reivindicarlos como lo que son mártires del movimiento obrero. And we must vindicate them as what, uh, what, as what they are, which are martyrs of the revolutionary movement, of the workers' movement. Eh, la teología de la liberación mostró que las tradiciones revolucionarias del origen del cristianismo siguen aún vivas. Liberation theology showed that the revolutionary traditions of the origins of Christianity are still alive. Su creación estuvo íntimamente ligado a un entorno de pobreza, pero sobre todo de una intensa lucha de clases. Its creation was intimately linked to an environment not only of poverty, but of intense class struggle. Aunque este movimiento refleje el espíritu del auténtico eh, cristianismo, se enfrentó desde el inicio a la represión eh, de la iglesia. Although this movement reflected the spirit of the authentic Christian, it faced ecclesial repression from the beginning. Un caso representativo es el de Leonardo Boff, un teólogo brasileño que sería silenciado y después obligado a abandonar el sacerdocio. A representative case is that of Leonardo Boff, the Brazilian theolog theologist who would be silenced and forced to leave priesthood. Es muy representativo el regaño que tuvo en público Ernesto Cardenal eh, cuando el Papa Juan Pablo II visitó Nicaragua eh, después del triunfo de la revolución. But the most representative image was the one of, um, of, um, of the repression of the visit of John Paul II to Nicaragua when he uh, scolded him in public. Tras esto, Cardenal, tras esto hubo una ofensiva apoyada por Juan Pablo II y operativizada por Reitzinger para desmantelar la teología de la liberación. After this, there was an offensive supported by John Paul II, but led by Ratzinger, uh, 
um, to dismantle the liberation theology movement. Otro elemento que explica el declive de este movimiento es la propia represión estatal que estuvo impulsada desde el imperialismo mismo. Another element that explains the decline of this movement is state repression and the defeat of the Central American revolutionary processes. También se explica por la derrota de los de, lo, de las revoluciones en Centroamérica y también por la caída de la Unión Soviética y el reflujo que trajo. Also, the fall of the Soviet Union and its reflux uh, played a major role in this. Eh, nosotros eh, creemos que un creyente que aspira a un mundo de igualdad en esta tierra no, enc no encontrará mejor herramienta teórica que el marxismo revolucionario. We believe that a believer who aspires to a world of equality on this earth will find no better theoretical tool than the study of Marxism. La tradición de la teología de la liberación se mantiene viva. The traditions of the liberation theology are kept alive. Eh, muchos sacerdotes están comprometidos con causas como los migrantes, los indígenas, los campesinos. Many priests are committed to the struggle for the landless and for the poor. Pero es importante no atacar solamente los síntomas, sino el problema de raíz que es el sistema capitalista. But we should not only attack the symptoms of poverty, but also its root, which is the capitalist system. Diez minutos. Hay que Voy terminando. Hay que reconocer que también hay sacerdotes que han caído eh, bajo ideas extrañas como el posmodernismo. We must also recognize that there have been priests that had fallen for ideas such as weird ideas such as postmodernism. Y nosotros tenemos que hacer la misma crítica que hacemos al conjunto del movimiento obrero. And we must do, we must uh, enforce the same crit criticisms that we uh, enforce on the rest of the labor movement. Estamos entrando a un nuevo proceso de revolución y contrarrevolución. We are entering a new process of revolution and counter-revolution. Lo antes incuestionado hoy se cuestiona, incluyendo la religión. What was, what, when, what went previously unquestioned, today is questioned, including religion. La Iglesia Católica ha entrado en crisis en muchos países. The Catholic Church has entered crisis in many countries where they have lost thousands of believers. Donde ha perdido miles de creyentes y credibilidad con escándalos como la pederastia. And also credibility through scandals like the one of pedophilia. En medio de estas fisuras y de la perspectiva de lucha de clases a nivel internacional, In the midst of these splits and of the prospect of class struggle internationally, eh, nuevas, podemos ver nuevas grietas eh, y el desarrollo de nuevos movimientos revolucionarios dentro de las religiones. We can see new cracks opening uh, and revolutionary movements within the different religions. Nosotros tendremos una actitud amistosa y lucharemos juntos a los trabajadores creyentes contra el capitalismo. We must have a friendly attitude towards uh, workers who believe and we must fight together with them against capitalism. El día de mañana cuando construyamos el socialismo tendremos tiempo para discutir amistosamente nuestras diferencias filosóficas. Once socialism is built we will have plenty of time to discuss our philosophical differences. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you, Che. Uh, so I will turn it over to Alex uh, for the wrap up. Just one second here. Alex, you're good to go. Great. Well, I hope everybody agrees with me that that was a fantastic discussion. And, and the interveners really covered all aspects of this question, from poor countries like Pakistan and Mexico to so-called advanced capitalist countries like France and Ireland. And, and in the discussion, we saw the hypocrisy of the religious establishment united with the state who speak about peace and love 
when in fact they promote oppression and war. But you also saw the hypocrisy of the so-called liberal secularists who also promote state oppression. So we cannot fall into either of these two traps. And in fact, uh, these two sides, they lean upon each other. You saw these sort of uh, Islamophobic uh, secularism debates actually serves to uh, drive people towards uh, Islamic fundamentalism. You see uh, Islamic youth who facing oppression and isolation get driven into the arms of uh, more militant uh, Islamists. And, and this underlines a failure of the reformists and the labor movement. If the trade unions and the left parties were at the forefront of fighting against this oppression, if the workers' movement stood on the basis of socialism, fight oppression and fight the poverty uh, of capitalist society, then uh, these oppressed youth would uh, flock to the labor movement and flock for, to socialism. So, so we, we have to fight for a militant socialist policy in order to win these oppressed youth to the struggle for socialism. And, and I've seen various uh, socialist organizations fall into one side or another. I, I've met sort of older Iranian revolutionaries, um, uh, emigres from the, uh, the revolution, and, and they've obviously been through the trauma of a failed revolution. But many of them show a real hatred of religion that I can only imagine would be off-putting to Iranian worker. But on the other side, I've seen uh, left organizations uh, capitulate to Islamic fundamentalism. There was like mullahs speaking on the platform during the uh, anti-war demonstrations. Uh, Same people who were supporting the oppression of socialists in the Middle East. And, and, And this is a totally failed tactic. Actually, I, I saw these organizations. They didn't win anybody from the mosques. They, in fact, lost people to the mosques. Five minutes. And, and you've seen that only the Marxist approach can really unite the working class. You've seen this with this fantastic school we're organizing. All sectors of the working class, genuine internationalism from every background, religious background, racial background. And only Marxism can build that international unity. And, and, and this is why we can expect in, in great moves forward. Our ideas are being confirmed by events and, and we won't fall into this divide and conquer tactic. We'll bring together the most self-sacrificing elements of the working class. And we'll learn from uh, the revolutionaries of the past, even from the, so the birth of Christianity and Islam and other religions which had revolutionary roots. But we'll unite workers on a higher level. Trotsky wrote some uh, very beautiful words as part of his last testament. He called on the future generations to end all evil, violence, and oppression. And ours is the generation that is set to do that. This is what gives our life meaning. The fight for a socialist society, the fight for a paradise on earth, with the understanding we only have one life, so we're going to make it a damn good one. We'll change the world, eradicate capitalism, and then we can have some fun. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, yeah, so we're pretty much done right on time. Uh, we're going now going to take an hour break before the final uh, session of the International Marxist University. I hope that, I hope that this uh, fantastic uh, presentation and discussion uh, made everyone really uh, want to learn more. So I again uh, recommend that you go to wellreadbooks.net 
Uh, and you can also check out the recommended reading list on uh, Marxism and religion uh, for this session on the website. Uh, okay, so we are going to take an hour break. Uh, and uh, the, the last session will start at 5.30 British summertime, uh, which is on uh, building the Revolutionary Party. Um, so see you, see you all in an hour.